G'day everyone, I'm Brett Morrison and welcome to the Leadership Sensei radio show. Welcome back, this is a small business podcast where we look at the many facets of what it means to run, own and lead a small business, but also what it means to be a leader, not only of your business and your corporation, but also a leader of yourself and being the example for those that are with you in your life and also on your team. Thanks for joining us, welcome aboard and I hope you enjoy the show. This week I've got another episode from our radio show so for those that haven't noticed um, or aren't aware my wife and I've started a radio show on our local community radio so if you want to tune in you can it's on a Thursday night at 6 30 p.m to 7 30 p.m eastern standard time Australia um, and it's called the wellness couch so if you use a tune-in app you can get from iStore or the iTunes app um, it's on 87.6 fm or Apollo Bay Radio. If you want to go straight to the website, you can actually stream it live from uh, 3abr.org. On the right-hand side, you'll see a button say live stream, so you can tune in that way. So I do apologize. I haven't put a podcast out now for a couple of weeks, probably more like three weeks. So I do apologize for that. Um, I've say starting a radio show and running a podcast at the same time can have its challenges as far as managing time goes, but look, I am back on track. I have recorded quite a few podcasts in in between, and I've actually used a couple of episodes from the radio show because I think they're quite relevant to leaders and also them getting the best performance out of themselves. I have to notice that one of the things that I did an executive course with the Melbourne Business School, which is run out of the the University of Melbourne um, here in, in Victoria in Australia, and one of the very first things that they talked about was actually good quality sleep and how executives and as leaders we need to really focus and be aware of the quality of our sleep. Because when we get tired, and you'll hear some of these things as we go through the go through the episode tonight, where we are actually going to be talking about sleep and, and really honing in on how to, or some of the things that you can do personally to get a good night's sleep and how to set yourself up for success in getting good sleep, is that... One of the things that they talked about on this course was when people are fatigued, it takes them longer to do a task. But not only does it take longer to do a task, but it also takes, actually you get more mistakes within that task as well. So it's really relevant to, I guess, the audience I feel tonight when we talk about how, how we get good quality sleep and the things that we can do right from the moment we wake up. So they say that getting a good night's sleep starts the moment we wake up. But look, before we get into the episode, I'd just like to do a quick shout out to all the listeners around the world. Uh, notice I've got a couple of new countries on board this week. So I've had Hong Kong, quite a few listeners from Hong Kong tuning in. So thank you very much for all of you over in Hong Kong. Also Jamaica, thank you for tuning in. Had Indonesia and as usual, the United States and Australia are topping the list. So thank you guys. Thanks for sharing. And for everyone around the world, Great Britain, Germany, Japan, New Zealand, Indonesia, Malaysia, I really do thank you for tuning in and, and sharing the episodes because it makes a big difference to me. It means a lot to me to know that people are actually tuning in and hopefully applying what they learn. I know I did an episode um, with a good friend of mine and he's on episode one and Sean has actually been on a couple of more episodes since then um, and we've done a couple together. You know, there's feedback from one of, one of his listeners that listened to one of the episodes that I've actually you know put onto the podcast here and it was that he applied one of the strategies that we talked about straight away. Like he hopped off, hopped off listening to the, I think he's on the running machine, hopped off his running machine, called one of his clients, 
um, applied the strategy and it worked straight away. So it makes a big difference and that, that feedback is invaluable to us or valuable to me. It means a great deal to me to know that you know, what I'm doing is actually making a difference. So uh, thank you very much for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the episode. We'll see you on the other side. Okay, welcome to the Wellness Couch, where your host for the next hour with Katerina and Brad Morrison. Um, I've also got my little girl Angelique here. She's my sound engineer. Say hello, Angelique. Hi. And Christelle will be my music engineer. How are you going, Christelle? Good, thank you. Okay, so we're the host for the next hour. We're hosting the Wellness Couch tonight. We're talking about sleep. And uh, great sleep is a crucial element for optimal health, as we all know. We all know what it feels like when you've had a few sleepless nights and what it can do to us all. You know, you get irritable. Um, the, the, we have a decreased ability to perform tasks. We get fatigued. Um, you get quite cranky when people are around, don't we all? Um, and your health tends to regress. Um, so after three days of sleep deprivation, um, that begins to cause a more serious deterioration in your overall performance, and it can result in mild personality changes too. Um, you get chronic inadequate sleep, um, it compromises productivity, creates problems in relationships and can even contribute to more serious health problems. If you spend eight hours a day uh, technically sleeping but you still feel like you're walking zombie the next morning, it may be that you're not getting great quality sleep. The, um, so you become a semi-somnia. Um, you're not getting that great quality sleep. You're not going into the deep REM sleep. Um, so sit back, relax and get ready as we chat about all things to do with sleep and give you some ideas on how to improve your situation to get that great deep REM sleep. We'll be right back after this break. You're listening to 3ABR 87.6 FM. You're listening to The Wellness Couch, uh, Katarina and Brett Morrison. We're talking about sleep tonight. So um, a lot of people are unaware that what they do during the day will actually affect their, their sleep or their circadian rhythm. Um, there's normally five stages that we go through through sleep, um, uh, one, two, three, and four, and REM sleep, which is a rapid eye movement, and that's when uh, we do most of our memory processing and our healing too, so it's very important to get into our uh, REM sleep. The stages progress cyclically from one to REM, then begin again with stage one, and a complete cycle normally takes an average of 90 to 110 minutes, and each stage, the stage one to five, normally lasts between five and 15 minutes. Um, one of the big uh, effectors, I guess, uh, with sleep are the hormones, people's hormones. So what's going on here? Uh, this is where the day's happenings actually do become relevant. Um, you know, you have to think about have you applied your routines, your, your regular bedtime routine when you get up and when you go to bed? Have you exercised? Have you eaten right? Have you been stressed throughout the day? Different hormones actually get impacted um, with these types of routines. These really have an impact on, on your hormones. Um, and uh, sleep does allow many of our hormones to replenish so we can have optimal energy, immunity and appetite by the time we wake up um, in the morning. When we talk about insomnia with clients, a lot of times we check to see if their cortisol levels are high. It's a hormone that uh, comes out in response to, to stress. So when cortisol is high, melatonin, which is um, primarily a sleep hormone, actually becomes low. I don't want to make out that cortisol is a bad hormone because it's not because when it's um, regulated, when it gets uh, initiated, it's a flight fight response and it actually can be quite good for you. But um, the fact that a lot of people are stressed these days and cortisol remains high, um, a lot of people find it very difficult to get to sleep because it, it's quite a um, it, it's quite a stimulative hormone. So 
if you do get high cortisols at night time, might be best that you actually exercise in the morning. Now, sleep is a time when several of the body's hormones are released into the bloodstream. And these include growth hormones, which are essential for growth and tissue repair. Um, and, and that includes for adults, not just for, for children either. Sleep helps balance our appetite by maintaining optimal, optimal levels of the hormone ghrelin and leptin. Um, we also have adrenaline that makes us alert and ready for action. But if, if you're always into that stress and action, um, then it makes it hard for us to get to sleep because the adrenaline is quite stimulating as well. So to prevent it, it's best to do relaxing activities before bedtime rather than stressful tasks or work um, or intensive exercise um, just before bedtime. One of the most important hormones, like um, I spoke about previously for sleep, is melatonin. It's a hormone that signals the body that it's time for sleep. Um, now, it's produced in the pineal gland, and the hormone is released with increased darkness. So um, where the problems lay in the city and in suburbia, we've got a lot of lit up streets at the moment. So it looks like Vegas, basically. And the body's not prepared to release um, melatonin in response to that because it gets tricked. It thinks it's still daytime. Um, and so one of the things that I do tell clients is that uh, you must have a darkened room. Everything must be taken out of the room. No TVs, no light producing or light emitting devices. And draw back the curtains. There's got to be no light for melatonin to come into play. Um, so the requirement for a dark room at night uh, to entice the release of melatonin is very, very, um, very critical. So you're saying that's important here to essentially set up a sleep sanctuary? Yeah, well, the body does come a bit uh, confused, like I said to you. So if, if the, you know, if it's not uh, darkened, it, the melatonin won't be released. Yeah, and if we take that a step further too, a lot of people actually do, do work in their bedroom. Now we have mobile devices. It's very easy to take the laptop into bed and start doing work just before we go to bed or we get stuck into the whole... Uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube space where we can get a lot of stimulation and unfortunately the body gets used to patterns. The body loves routine, the body loves patterns. So the moment you go into your room and hop into bed, if, you're, if it's used to you hopping in and doing work for the last hour or half hour before you go to sleep, the brain is actually wiring itself up, the body is wiring itself up to get into that state of mind, which is not going to help you sleep. Well, that's right, and, the, and those all those technologies emit quite a lot of um, light, and being around too much light or, or blue light, blue screens, Wi-Fi technology can stop the release of that of melatonin. Yeah, and there's been some research around the different colours too. So it's actually to do with the lux and also the colours of the light. So they say red light is actually a little bit better, green light is a little bit better, and blue is being the worst. They they say like green light is actually three times less impactful than the blue light, but unfortunately with our iPads, our laptops, it's the blue light that we're getting through, which is probably the worst possible light that we can get as far as stimulation goes before we go to bed. Yeah, and um, also it produces um, like stress because we haven't got that relaxation period. So during periods of lasting stress, um, we've got the adrenocorticotropic hormone within the pituitary gland that gets triggered um, and that releases cortisone and cortisol um, and that's been found to be higher in people who are insomniacs as well so we've got higher levels of cortisone and cortisol in insomniacs which is suggestive of excessive arousal and ongoing stresses that contribute to insomnia um, 
so sleep also controls level hormones like the insulin and cortisol so that we wake up hungry prompting us to eat breakfast and prepare us for daytime stress now some people can get um, uh, their blood sugar levels going down throughout the night and it actually tends to wake up the brain so what I actually say to some clients is that they should probably sample some type of protein before they go to bed um, so their their blood sugar levels are actually modulated and uh, it doesn't wake the brain up there's no brain activity throughout the night and that's probably fair to say to do that even during the day as well as opposed to just before they go to bed a lot of people I think our, our eating habits have, have changed significantly over the years as we get busier and busier. Um, and you know, people want a, a, a quick hit or a quick food and a lot, most people just go straight for the caffeine. And then maybe that's something that you, know, you can talk about characters around how much caffeine and, and when people should be having it too. Yeah, look, that's another thing that I actually talk about is removing um, stimulatory foods from the diet. So um, if you're chronically insomniac, if you, if you don't get sleep for longer than three days, then I actually do suggest removing stimulating foods um, altogether or at least don't eat them afternoon. So um, they're such foods like you know, the chocolate, the sugars, the sugary drinks, the caffeine, the addictive type of foods. Um, and you know, there's sugar in all processed foods these days and there's chocolates in, in, in a lot of foods. Um, stimulatory drinks as well, you know, you've got Mother, you've got V, you've got um, what's the other one? What's the other one called? The one with the bull on it? The bull. Sorry, guys. Yeah, there's so many stimulatory drinks at the moment. So um, they've got to be stopped. You know, if you want to get sound sleep and go into a REM sleep, a deep sleep, um, you've really got to stop that stimulation as well. Um, so what I suggest to people um, when they're looking at types of food that contain the amino acid tryptophan that can aid you to sleep, and uh, tryptophan can be found in such foods like almonds, uh, eggs, bananas, avocados, nut butters, dates, figs, even eating um, half a grapefruit um, before bed actually also helps. Make sure that you don't have large meals like two hours before bed because that can be stimulatory as well. Um, but do entice those foods into your diet maybe before bedtime because that, they've got high levels of tryptophan and that is an amino acid that uh, tends to help you sleep as well. Yeah, I think in many ways you say not to have these big meals before before we go to bed, but it's almost the way our culture's set up is that we tend to have our big meals normally at dinner, isn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, so talking about uh, dinners as well, like carb fixes and wine at dinner um, time is probably the best time to have them. Don't have them any later before bed. If you have uh, tend to have high-carbohydrate foods or wine at dinner, um, the levels of your hunger hormone need to be high in order for you to sleep deeply. So carbohydrates actually lower this hormone and this hunger hormone affecting you to sleep deeply. So I normally say no carbohydrates two hours before sleeping, no wine before sleeping. They're all stimulatory um, and they do lower the hormone that affects you to sleep deeply. Yeah, I'd go as far as to say that's similar for exercise too. Um, most people don't probably realise that to get a good night's sleep, you know, that process starts the moment that they wake up in the morning. And part of that is, and I'm sure we'll go into a little bit deeper in a moment when we start talking about routines and stuff, but, um, you know, getting the right patterns throughout your day literally starts the moment that you wake up. Yeah, like if you get less sleep than normal too, um, your levels of prolactin, we're talking about hormones again, may get out of balance and uh, we end up with a weakened immune system, have difficulty... Uh, concentrating and get um, 
that's when we actually get the carbohydrate <laughs> cravings too during the day. So you've got to sleep in order um, to get your circadian rhythm, the 24-hour body clock, um, in, into its cycle. When um, all these other things hit it, like you get stressed, you're not eating correctly, um, you're not into a pattern of sleep, you're not exercising, the temperature of the room is incorrect, it really disturbs or disrupts the circadian rhythm, which is a 24-hour body clock. Yeah, so let, let's, let's delve a little bit deeper. Let's go down a rabbit hole here. You talk about the temperature of the room. So what's your advice when you're in a relationship? Because some people sleep hotter or, or menopause, you know, yeah. sleep hotter than others. So for example, I know I don't like the cold. I, I'm originally from Queensland, as I mentioned a couple of times. So I actually like it like it quite warm. And when I, when I sleep, I actually start cooling off a lot. So I actually like a lot warmer room, yet I know that you actually sleep quite hot. So you know, you, you're looking to cool off during the night, whereas I'm trying to warm up during the night. So I'm sure this is not an uncommon thing. What are some suggestions around that? Yeah, well, look, um, if you look at what sleep experts actually say, um, you keep the temperature between 60 to 65 degrees. Um, a cool room is the most conducive to sleep uh, for your brain to actually relax and, and to sleep. Your body's temperature naturally drops whilst you sleep. A room that is too hot will interfere with your sleep's natural cycle. Um, so if that's the case for you, it's best to use heavier pyjamas or um, a heavier doona than a hot room before bedtime. Yeah, look, that, that's, that's one way. But what about people who sleep hot and they need to cool down? Because for some people at 60 degrees, well, actually talking now Fahrenheit, I suppose, but um, when we start talking about room temperatures below 20 degrees, some people are still feeling hot at that temperature. And like, what can they do to try and cool down? Is that if you're sleeping uh, as a couple? Can be. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can get, can't you get dunas now that have those those half-sided yeah, different think, weights? Yeah, I think you probably can. <laughs> can get anyone help me there? Yeah. With, with extra feathers sure on can. one side, you can get them yeah. custom made, I think. Yeah. Get them custom made. Well, obviously, um, with your sleeping quarters too, your mattresses, your pillows and sheets have got to be taken into consideration. So... Um, what matters here is is that you're actually comfortable because yeah. what, what you're comfortable with, someone else might not be comfortable with. And I think that's the important part because I know you're saying the research says between 60 and 65 degrees of Fahrenheit, but depending on where you come from, all depends on what your comfort level is. You know, so you know, I heard of a of a couple and he was from you know America and, and she was from Kenya and Africa, so very hot, so not comfortable in a in a cold space at all. Um, so. And I know when I get into a cold room, I find it actually harder to get to sleep and then also then staying asleep because I just feel too cold. And the, I can pile the dunas on and on and on and all it feels like I'm just being squashed during the night as opposed to just being comfortable and having a good sleep. So I think that while, you know, obviously research is, is good, we are all individuals and there's a generalisation that goes across that. So you need to find that happy space for you as a person, but also understand, you know, what you're comfortable with and welcome back. You're listening to The Wellness Couch with Katerina and Brett Morrison on Apollo Bay Radio, 87.6 FM. So earlier, or probably early last year, I was very fortunate to be able to do an executive leadership training uh, course with the Melbourne Business School. And one of the very first things that they started talking to us about was the importance of sleep, which was probably not the... F- Probably not the first thing that I thought they'll be going to talk about when you start talking about executive leadership from such a uh, well-respected school. But they really put a very large emphasis on the quality of sleep and the impact on that on leaders and also on, the, the I guess, the life and the, the ability of a leader to function well with good sleep. 
because sleep really is a force multiplier. So when you get good sleep, your ability to function is multiplied significantly. And also on the, on the flip side of that, when you're not getting good sleep, so when you're getting bad sleep, your ability to function decreases significantly. So they, they did a study at one of the hospitals and the, you know, they sleep deprived the doctors for 24 hours and they found that they made 20% more mistakes and took 14% longer to do the task than what they would normally do. So it's really important that people get a, a good grip around what is a good amount of sleep for them and what constitutes good quality sleep as they go through. And I think in this day and age, you know, people like to be busy and we tend to wear business as a badge of honor. You know, very rarely when you, you meet someone, you say, how are you going? And they go, mate, I'm, I'm just cruising, everything's fine, no worries in the world. It doesn't happen very often. Most people will come up to you and say, mate, I'm flat out, super busy, you got no idea. And they like to mm -hmm. see themselves as being tired and they, they start talking about how many you know, caffeine shots that they have in their coffee of a morning. You know, whether it's gonna be a double shot or a triple shot, and then how many cups of coffee they're having through the day. And most people will tell you that they can't start the day until they've had their coffee. You know, stay away from me, I haven't had my coffee yet. So you've got the stimulating foods coming into play. Absolutely, and they start this from the moment they get up. You know, and like I said earlier, that most people underestimate that you know, the quality of the sleep that they get of a night time actually starts from the moment they get up. And so one of the things that they say is really important in that space is to do some activity first thing in the morning. So you talked about cortisol before and there's been a lot of bad publicity around cortisol of late, you know, cortisol makes me fat, cortisol's bad for me, all this sort of thing. But the fact is that when we exercise, it actually produces a cortisol spike. And it's important to get that cortisol spike early in the day so that it decreases overnight. And like, as you mentioned earlier, Kat, so when the cortisol spikes, the melatonin actually decreases. So what we want to happen is get that cortisol spike early in the day well, and then that's when the melatonin's down because we don't want to feel tired during the day. Then as nighttime kicks in, our cortisol is actually decreasing through the day and our melatonin will increase, which then helps improve the sleep. Well, that's interesting you say that because it's been found that uh, athletes or high-performing athletes actually do have high cortisol in their blood, so find it very difficult to get to sleep at night. Yeah, so I think, unfortunately, a lot of our sports that we do tend to occur over night time. So when people play club sports, whether it be footy or cricket or you know netball, um, a lot of those activities are after work because that's when most people tend to do, do their activities. And so it's probably not allowing people to get that sleep. I know that when you know I do activity before I go to bed, I'm normally fairly wired up and I find it hard to get to sleep. And it doesn't really matter how hard that workout is, especially when I was training for my runs, you know, I actually started doing night runs, specifically so I would get used to running through the night because on my runs, because I'm not a super fast runner and I'm running long distances, I am actually literally running through the night. So I had to get used to running in the dark. So when I was doing those night runs, my sleep patterns were just thrown out the window um, because I was coming home and I'd find it very difficult then to unwind and relax before getting into bed. Yeah, so I think it's really important to suggest to people um, who have problems sleeping, um, routines that help them relax and unwind prior to bedtime as well. That's quite important. Yeah, so, you know, and that's actually, as you go through the day, that's, that is important. But even at the start of the day, it doesn't need to be super vigorous exercise. Like a, a nice brisk walk will, will suffice. You know, if you do some power yoga, um, 
some star jumps, some body weight squats, and some push ups. It's enough to get the the blood flowing in the body to get that progressive that, relaxation as yeah, well. Yeah, so that's later in the day. So you know, as we still talk about the stuff at the start of the day, getting the start of the day important and getting it set up right is is really important. So this is the sort of stuff that you do potentially before you even go to work. So once you get up, get moving, get their blood pumping, and then even getting direct sunlight, they've found that you know the light in our bodies early in the day, they say preferably between 6 a.m. and 8 a.m. is the best time to get that sunlight, is really important as well because it stimulates the body to get the right hormones released into the body. And one of those catch cries there is not do it through glass because a lot of glass actually mm. blocks out the UVB, right. which is actually the important UV light that we need to get that stimulates the body, but it also allows the UVA to come on, which is actually the cancer-causing UV light. So um, sitting behind glass can actually be detrimental to the, getting the light that you need to get. I think the routines become very important, even as an adult. Um, as parents, I think you always look at children to have routines. It's very important for adults to adopt a routine as well. So getting up in the morning at, at a similar time, even on the weekends, and yep. going to bed around about a similar time. So you've got a, a, a routine for your circadian rhythm, for your 24-hour body clock that it can recognise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, actually saying the, the research at one of the universities is saying that for those that do morning exercise, they spend 75% more time in that deepest part of the sleep, so in that REM sleep. And so when you think about how long, you know, you're going through the different cycles there, early cat about the different cycles of sleep and how long we spend in each of them. And if you think if you can increase the length of time in REM sleep by 75%, because that's a restorative time of sleep too. So some people think that it's, you know, getting a good night's sleep is just about feeling good, but part of that feeling good is actually the body repairing itself. It actually goes through a repair process. And for those that are elite athletes or even people that do a lot of sport, maybe not even at the elite level, you know, we do need to let the body restore itself and, re and repair. And sleep is actually that time. So you know, when people talk about, well, I need to train extra hours and I can fit more in my day, but what they're not allowing the body to do is actually repair itself, which is let them perform at their peak level. Yeah. Also, like the sleep hormones, including like oxytocin and cortisol, also influences the content of your dreams. So it's very important to get into that routine um, to modulate our hormones throughout the day so you're getting good quality sleep. Um, during menopause, too, there's low levels of estrogen that contribute to sleeping difficulties. I see a lot of women with the uh, menopause issues of sleep issues. Um, and that change in hormonal levels means that the body temperature is less stable and uh, there may be an increase in adrenaline also, which can affect the sleep. Um, the loss of estrogen causes body fat to move to the stomach area, which also increases the chances of women snoring. One of the herbs that I look at is uh, Salvia officinalis. It's a common herb. Um, it, it's a common sage herb. And um, one of the recipes I say to women to actually do is uh, take six leaves of the Salvia officinalis um, pummel it, put hot water on it in the morning and add half a lemon to it in a tea. It's got to be warm. Salvia always has to be warm. And and drink that for the morning and do it two weeks on and two weeks off. And that tends to, to help that uh, low levels of estrogen that contribute to the sleeping difficulties in uh, menopausal women too. So you're, so um, you're talking about making that part of your routine? Uh, two weeks on and two weeks off, yeah. yeah. I doubt. Yeah, so I think the next part of that routine is you're talking about getting that, those patterns in, into your life. Um, and they talk about the money time of sleep. So sleep, like anything, you should be investing in. So there are things that, like when you invest into a financial investment, there are good times to invest and not so good times to invest. And obviously if you invest in 
a better time of the market, you get a higher rate of return from that. And sleep is the same. They're saying the research, and I know this is a generalization because some people will probably be a little bit either side of this, but they say that that money time, that good time to invest in your sleep is between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. And it's quite interesting that most people probably stay up a little bit later than that because um, they get caught up in their caught up in their devices. Okay, we'll be back after this break. You're listening to The Wellness Couch, uh, where we're talking about sleep on 3abr.org. You're listening to 3ABR, The Wellness Couch, where we're talking about sleep matters. Um, some of the issues that I see with sleep sometimes, um, there's uh, sometimes those thoughts that go round and round in your head and um, you can't seem to sleep because of that same thought that goes round and round and round. There's a fantastic uh, bark flower called white chestnut, which is fantastic for that. So um, I normally give patients four drops four times a day if they have issues with um, uh, the thought consistently going round and round and round their head. Uh, so it's called white chestnut. It's a bark flower. So four drops four times a day. Fantastic uh, for that type of um, issue with insomnia. Some of the herbs I look at too um, in, in regards to... Um, sleeping issues, passion flower, it's a wonderful herb for those who tend to wake frequently throughout the night. It's safe for children and those who, with the compromised health too. It can be taken in large doses, but I, um, I usually keep taking it until I feel calm and tired for long periods of time. So you can take our passion flower, 30 to 60 drops of the tincture before bed. And if you find that's not enough, you can take that dose up to four times a day. Um, hops is a fast acting nervine and sedative. It's fantastic for anxiety, hysteria, digestion, and uh, stress-related illnesses, which stop a lot of people from um, obviously having great quality REM sleep. It's completely safe for most of the population, um, although due to the natural steroids found in hops, pregnant women and children under two should avoid it. So you can grab a tincture or tea um, and follow the package directions or see your practitioner. We've also, uh, we also use magnolia bark, it's fantastic. Uh, it helps relax the mind and body by lowering cortisol levels. So lots of people stress throughout the day, they've got so much going on, so much stimulation happening, which raises the cortisol levels. And obviously with high cortisol, you've got lower melatonin and melatonin is a important hormone for sleep. Um, and so magnolia bark is one of those fantastic herbs that actually lowers cortisol levels. In turn, that can help prevent obesity and type two uh, diabetes because as as they say that cortisol levels um, helps put on the fat around the stomach area and uh, because a lot of people are quite stressed there's a lot of high cortisol levels so think about magnolia bark um, to help relax the mind and body and it helps prevent obesity and type 2 diabetes try taking this herb before bed or when you wake in the night only um, more so than other recommended herbs magnolia bark promotes rapid drowsiness so don't take it during the day or before operating vehicles or heavy machinery. Um, if you've got capsules, you can start with one capsule when needed, around 200 milligrams. Pregnant and nursing women should avoid magnolia bark, so don't take that. Um, it's always great to see your practitioner too, because they know the interactions are being taught, they're highly qualified, being taught about the interactions with allopathic, allopathic medicine and uh, herbal dispensary as well. So, um, Yes, yeah, so I think it's probably important to note at this point in time that a lot of the herbs that you're talking about are practitioner dispensed and maybe not the sort of stuff that people want to self-administrating. I know there's, there's probably things that they could buy from the health food store um, that they could probably take safely, but when they start talking, when you start talking about some of the more serious herbs, they are really, or should be under the guidance of a, a trained practitioner Normally. like yourself. Yes, most definitely. 
Um, we talk about withania too, which is one of my favourite herbs, ashwanda. Um, it's a remarkable herb that treats stress without sapping your energy. Um, however, it's not a sedative per se. It helps you get back to sleep if you're experiencing the morning or the cortisol anxiety spike. Some people tend to high, have high cortisol levels in the morning um, or that anxiety spike. And, and they'll be great recipients for exercising in the morning, actually. The herb actually uh, helps delay the release of cortisol. It gets to to work healing the effects of stress on the body. So like an adaptogen, basically, what we call it. Um, and that herb is primarily safe for everyone. There's also Zizifus. I love Zizifus at the moment. A lot of people would uh, see that um, in, in sleep remedies as well. Um, you can try chamomile too. Just make sure that you don't have a reaction to ragweed. Some people do have a reaction and you'll get a rash on the skin, but chamomile is a fantastic one too. Peppermint um, is quite a great digestive as well and, and can help you relax. You've got catnip. Carva uh, Carva or Piper Mysticking, I'd leave that for probably practitioner use. Um, all those three herbs tend to target anxiety and overexcitement. So if you can't tend to get to sleep because you're overexcited um, or anxious, they're great herbs, but just um, under the guidance of a practitioner, I'd say. Don't forget uh, too, just the basics as well, like a warm bath, a bath 90 minutes before bed um, with um, essential oils like lavender. It's just a wonderful, calming um, bath mixture for the mind and body. So the experience of being warm, followed by cooling down of the skin after the bath, really helps the mind and body prepare for sleep. Yeah, so one of those activities that you know we can do, I think sometimes people think that watching a movie before they go to bed can be quite relaxing mm. because it's one of those things that we think is fairly um, mindless because we're being entertained and we don't have to put a lot of thought into it. So what's your thoughts, say, versus reading a book versus watching a movie just before bed? No, see, they, they say that it's actually quite stimulating. I was reading a research paper the other day that was saying for every 15 minutes that you spend on screen, particularly children, they leave an hour of good deep sleep. Work that out. 15 minutes of screen time, loss of one hour of yeah, sleep. Especially just before, before bed. Mm. Yeah, so some of the research I've been seeing, and um, I know definitely something that you know, one of my coaches has said to me recently is about reading, you know, fiction, fiction books. I have to say I've never been a huge fan of reading fiction books, so I think, oh, I've got better things to do. I can actually be spending time learning something new because uh, obviously learning is a fairly high passion of, of mine, so learning new things all the time. So for, for many, many years and probably close to probably the last couple of decades and a bit, um, all the books beside my bed have been non-fiction books. So uh, it's been self self-development books, I've been business books, I've been books where I can learn and improve myself. But some of the feedback I've been getting, or have been given is, hey, get yourself some fiction books and spend that time before bed just reading. And I guess, you know, we look at a movie, because for me, I actually find movies very relaxing, but like I said, it actually lights up parts of the brain, because there's parts of movies that can be very stimulating. And when we're talking about you know getting a big screen too, it actually lights the brain up, even yeah. though we feel like we're sitting there You've doing got nothing. Effects, yeah. You've got to turn off all your screens at least an hour before bed. You really do. Absolutely. Um, you've got to take some time for silence and reflection. Look, it's, it's better for you to probably to do your um, journaling at that time. So you're jotting down all those thoughts that are happening throughout the day. Um, you know, get them out. Um, allow them to be cathartic. Get all the worries in your mind out. Um, and you'll do wonders for your, for your sleep. Yeah, and so even if you go back to last week's show when we were talking about 
you know, moving from that negative mindset space to more of a, a positive mindset space. You know, part of that was that, you know, one of the things I recommend was doing journaling just before going to bed. And that is actually part of that. So we're removing ourselves from the technology. We're physically writing the things down with a pen. Um, so I would recommend not to use an iPad to be writing this stuff or writing using your phone as, as a journal, but also sets the mind up for a peaceful transition in, into that sleep mode because it's so looking and focusing on all the, all the good things that have happened through your day as opposed to letting all the stimulation of movies or I guess like you said the opioids that get released when we start going into the social media space. Yeah look if you want to use technology too use it for your benefit use it uh, to be progressive there's um, some great apps on um, sleep music as well uh, that go into delta and theta music as well so Fagio frequencies um, there's also the British Academy of Sound actually we'll play this uh this song next it's called weightless uh, the british academy of sound therapy called weightless the most relaxing song ever and time magazine actually named it one of the best inventions of the year so give it a listen and see what happens um it's called weightless yeah thanks cat so look i think it's important as we start wrapping up the show tonight that we start talking about some of the simple steps that anyone can do to help improve their sleep so i know we've gone through a lot of stuff there's been a lot of scientific evidence there we've gone through a lot of foods that we can eat or shouldn't eat um, you know some of the herbs that you can take or, or shouldn't take at various times of the day we've talked about hormone levels and how to um, what which hormones are important to improve sleep but what are the, the things that anyone can do as we go through our day to improve our quality of sleep at night so I think the first one is really important that is to create a sleep sanctuary so we talked about this a bit earlier, so get, make sure that your room is dark over night time, so block out the light. And this becomes really important, I think, for shift workers as well, because there's a lot of people that, you know, especially when you move into the cities, uh, you know, they're working 24-7, so how do they, you know, get their circadian rhythm around, you know, this whole difference around shift work, but part of it is, is getting the, the room dark. Yeah, look, um, with shift work, it's a, a lot of um, allopathic uh, doctors actually recommend melatonin, the synthetic melatonin. So. Um, but that can cause more problems. So you, you've got to be careful with dosage and uh, the time of day that you actually take it. So try to actually reinvest um, in your own melatonin. Make sure the room is quite dark. Get the technologies away from you, the Wi-Fi. Keep it away from you, at least a metre away from you, even if you've got clocks, um, um, any um, fines, iPhones, anything like that. Keep them at least a metre away. If possible, get them out of the room completely. No TVs, no yep. technologies and in the room. Keep it very dark. And that's part of your sleep sanctuary. Make sure that your room is for sleep. They say you know, you know your bedroom is meant for two things, and sleep is one of those. So What's the other one? It's a it's a children friendly show. Okay. So sure. so no no work, no, no TVs. Get them out of the room. Um, in actual fact, when we're talking about the, the children friendly, so they say the research is actually showing that when people have TVs in the room. Yeah, fifty percent less of the other things that we can't talk about because it is a children-friendly show. Look, but talking about uh, sleep sanctuary, uh, the girls will testify to this as well. Um, using aromatherapy on the pillows as well, so lavender is a fantastic option yep. to actually put a drop also on the pillow. Yep, and different different aromatherapy will um, help people sleep differently as well. So lavender is one of those really relaxant ones that help people um, across all ages. Now. I'm just going to throw over to um, Angelique because Angelique is our little um, exercise expert here. So she's got a great tip that will help people as well. Off to you, Angelique. Here's my tip for you. If you want to get to sleep better, 
do sport and get all the energy out. Don't do it right bef- before bed, though. That's a very good tip. So exercise is really important, but as Angelique mentioned, don't do it just before you go to bed. If you're going to do it at night time, at least allow a couple of hours before you go to sleep to let the body and get the hormone levels back down. But the best time is actually first thing in the morning when you get up. Um, it allows the body to, as we talked about earlier, get that cortisol spike early in the day. So the cortisol then has time to come down and the um, melatonin to actually increase as you go through the day. The next tip would be to get some sun. Don't be afraid of the sun. Get some sunlight early in the morning. They do say between 6 a.m. and 8 a.m. is a good time. Stimulates the pineal gland. Absolutely, and it's a good time to get it. Um, So as we do our exercise, get the blood flowing, get that cortisol spike, and then we get the sun, stimulates the pineal gland. But also remember not to sit behind the glass to get that because the glass will actually block out the UVB light, which is actually the important light rays that we are aiming to get. Then we talked about the technology. Get rid of the technology at least half an hour after you get up out of bed. So we talk about the technology before you go to bed, but also when you wake up in the morning, what you do first thing in the morning sets you up for a good night's sleep. So there's plenty of things that you can do in that first half hour of the morning, which is you know, have a shower, do your morning routine, put your makeup on, have a shave, whichever order you want to do it, you know, and have breakfast, absolutely. You know, leave the TV off. You don't don't need to be watching the news the moment you wake up. You don't need to be checking your phone for you know Facebook likes or whatever it is going to be that you do first thing in the morning. Let it just sit for at least half an hour. And it's quite easy to get plenty of things to do. And you could do also some of that morning activity that you wanted to do. Angelique's got another point here and she's just wanted to share that. You probably should have breakfast before you go on any device. Like on your phone, iPad, or computer. That sounds like that sounds like great advice, I'd say. Um, that sounds like what you say. That sounds like daddy talking. Absolutely. So avoid the technology first thing in the morning, but also at least an hour before sleep. So we talked before about you can read a book, you can start journaling, you can do your gratitude journal. So there's plenty of things that you can do for that hour before you go to sleep, and it allows the body to unwind. It allows the mind to get destimulated and get yourself into the rest space. And you can actually start doing some relaxation exercises, whether that be through breathing or progressive relaxation of the body. Yeah, when you talk you about breathing, Brett, when you talk about breathing, there's um, a really well known breath technique where you breathe in for three and you actually forcefully breathe out for eight that is conducive to sleep as well. Mm. And there's also pranayama, which is um, alternate nostril breathing uh, just before sleep, which is fantastic as well. Yeah. Um, and then failing... All of that, if, if that's not making a significant impact on your sleep, and I'd suggest that they will, because I have tried all of those things, and I know that when I do those, uh, my sleep is of a much higher quality. If you start thinking about, hey, should I be taking some of these herbs? I'd highly recommend you see a qualified practitioner for getting herbs. There are you know, many people out there who will say, look, take this cup of tea, or you know, take this herb, and especially even at some of the health food stores, um, you'll get people that will say, look, this is good for this, or this is good for that, but they may not be qualified, and in fact, many people aren't. Um, but there's a lot of interactions that a qualified practitioner will help you with, because they'll go through a case history with you, they'll find out what you're currently doing, what your family history is, and what your health history is, and they will pick the right herb for you in your situation. So I think that's important that um, some of the things that Kaz talked about before um, is coming from a, a professional background. It's not just stuff that 
people saying, hey, go to the shop and buy this herb because it's going to be good for you, it's really important to make sure you get that holistic approach and know the background behind what is right or not right to take. I think um, what you're talking about there is, and my peers will agree, is that we set a therapeutic uh, strategy specific, specifically for the individual, so yeah. it's not a broad blanket approach. Um, and, and we know the indications and contraindications between medications and um, and herbal tinctures as well. Yeah, look, I think that's probably how, what I was trying to say. Uh, I think there's also this belief that because it's a plant and because it's a natural therapy, it's all safe. But actually, some of the natural therapies can be quite dangerous if administered in the wrong way. So, look, there's just some simple steps. So, create your sleep sanctuary. Do your activity first thing in the morning. Get some sunlight in the early hours of the day, not so much in the middle of the day. So, you know, so that 6 to 8 a.m. is a nice gentle sun. Remove. Don't forget your tryptophan um, high foods as well. Yep, you get the right foods and don't, don't eat the wrong foods just before bed. No stimulating yep. foods. And get rid of that technology half hour after you wake up and an hour before you go to bed. And some people that actually have low blood sugar levels and, and need to modulate their blood sugar levels at night um, might need a little bit of protein just before bedtime as well. Well, there we go. We've wrapped up another podcast. Thank you for staying with us. And for if you're a new person coming in to listen to a new listener, thank you for joining us here at the Leadership Sensei Radio. If you're a repeat listener, thank you so much for doing that. Thank you for joining us again. And I hope you got great value once again from it. And also, I'd like to say, again, thank you to my listeners all around the world. You make a big difference. It makes it really meaningful for me to know that there are actually people tuning in and listening. If I can ask you to please subscribe on whatever platform that might be, whether it be iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher, whatever platform that you're listening to this on. If you haven't joined me or joined our community at on Facebook, please also do that. You can find me at The Leadership Sensei on Facebook. Most days I do have a short video going up and I do put other content up there at various times as well. So thank you again. Have a great week. I'll see you next time.